are walking through a series called On Guard. And what does it mean to take a stand against sin, to begin to experience victory over sin day by day? And so we've been breaking it down, looking at what Scripture has to say in different pieces and in different facets. Really important that we understand our walk on a daily basis in this battle against sin has some enemies to it all. And we have to grasp how it all plays together, right? And, and so we're talking about a battle plan for all the different pieces of what we're going to be looking at. So let's just throw this slide up here again. This is just the reminder. We've been walking through this each week a little bit. And um, we'll get this slide up on the boat in the sea, and we'll be talking through that. Remember, this sea is this giant sea of selfishness. This is all what's going on inside of us. This giant sea of selfishness, and you got the waves of self that rise and fall. And then we've got the boat, which is the mind and the spirit. The other two parts, right? Flesh, mind, and spirit are the three parts shown in Romans chapter 8. And so the flesh is that sea of selfishness, and the mind and the spirit are like that boat afloat on the sea of selfishness. And you can see the image here. You get the feeling of this kind of massive selfishness. And as long as we begin to grasp that's what's going on inside, it gives us a very fresh and different view of the battle that's taking place. This huge sea of me going on inside, the flesh constantly banging out, it will be about me, and the boat floating on top. Now remember the boat getting pushed down as well. There's some enemies, the world and the devil coming in and pushing down on different parts of our boat and causing our mind and spirit to dip. And all of a sudden the sea of selfishness comes flooding into the boat and that's when we sin. That's when we flip our mindset and we run after the flesh for that moment. And as everything gets righted up and we bail out with confession, Lord, please forgive me. We got that boat floating right again. All of a sudden, there's another push on another part or maybe in the same part and the same thing happening again, whether it be world or devil coming in and pressing down on the boat. And we've talked about how to deal with those, right? A couple weeks back, we were looking at the world and the world's pressing. How do we battle that? With fence lines. And how do we battle that? Man, the way you keep the world at bay is fence lines, wisely pushed back away from sin, keeping you away from going down the path that so easily draws you into sin. Fence lines, all right? That's how we battle the world. And then when we battle Satan, it is literally taking a stand and fighting. It is being able to submit, therefore, to God, like confess the sin, whatever it is, Lord, I'm done with it. I don't want it in my life. I'm getting before you. Confess the sin. Get close to your God as you're like, Lord, I want to worship you. You open up the word, you get after a passage of scripture, and you pray back out loud as you read out loud, God, this is you. This is how awesome you are. And I'm just telling you, if you get sin confessed, and you get the word read out loud, and you get your prayer going big to your God, worship on fire, his glory pouring over you, Satan leaves. And that's our battle with Satan, just get your worship on Please do not make it a giant address to some demonic force. You're not talking to them. You're talking to your God. Massive worship. Ready? And all of God's people said, make sure we get that square. We get our fence line set up. We get our worship in play. And we are formidable in this world as we bring the truth of who God is. But there's one more enemy. And we're going to be talking about that enemy today. And that enemy is the flesh. 
And the problem with the enemy of the flesh, this giant sea of selfishness in me, is it's a double agent. It's part of you, and yet it's taking you in the wrong direction. It's a double agent inside. The enemy on that one you've got to battle is battling, really, you're going to feel like it's battling a part of yourself. And being able to say, this is a double agent, it's taken me the wrong direction and I'm not listening, is going to be a huge part of it. And so as we talk about battling the flesh today, turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we'll start in verse 13 there, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I'm going to get a running start into it, but point number one, Know your weakness. Know your weakness. We actually started with this in the very beginning of the series. Know your strengths and know your weaknesses. Here, very clearly, know your weakness. Make sure you grasp how you're built inside. Make sure you know how you falter. Know your weakness. We're going to talk about battling the flesh now. As we get the running start here, the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he's got a couple of phrases. He says, we must not indulge in, and that word indulge is huge. Like, don't drink deep of this. Don't experience this and make it a feel-good moment and make it all about yourself. He says, we must not indulge in, and then he has a couple different things. Sexual immorality, as some did. And then he says also, we must not put Christ to the test, as some did. And we must not grumble as some did. He's like, let me make this clear. There's things that are pulling and drawing and people are faltering all over the place and we have weaknesses in us and be careful along the way with that. He gets to verse 12 and he says, therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, right, what's it there for? He's like, man, just make sure you recognize all the weaknesses in all of humanity and they believe they've got their act together and yet they fell. Therefore, like because of that, he says, take heed, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If you're walking through this and you're like, dude, I really am, I don't struggle with sin. Uh, Take heed lest you fall. He's pretty clear here. Don't think you've got it all together. And all of God's people said... He's like, man, take heed lest you fall. Make sure you've thought it through. Make sure you grasp the values. Watch your pride. That's a fence lining statement. Watch your path, right? Be careful of where you're headed. Take heed, man. Watch where you're walking. It's your fence lining and your fighting being put in play. And if you have proper fence lines, and if you're standing against the whisper of Satan and your worship is on, man, you're going to be in good stead for a lot of it. And he's like, but hang on, because there's more coming, and sometimes it can even come from inside. He says, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Here we go, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but that is not common to man. No temptation, none. There isn't one temptation, not one, none. Uh, How many temptations have overtaken you that aren't common to man? None. Every single temptation you experience is common to man. In fact, that phrase, common to man, just to be careful with it, in the original language, it literally means is of man. It's human. Like, just so you know, every temptation you struggle with, it's human. 
He's like, just so you know, we all have this flesh built into us. We all have this me thing, this giant sea of me raging inside. And, and yeah, every temptation that you face is human. It's built in. It's, it's a problem, man. We are fallen, and all of us are struggling. And if you're struggling with some sin and you're like, dude, you don't understand. Like this temptation I've got is so just me. Um, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You're not alone. We are all wrestling together in this battle, and God knows exactly what's going on, and He's got a plan. All right? No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And, uh, Really important that we grasp that all of us struggle with this. And uh, how many of us? Really important we get that. All of us struggle with this. Every temptation we taste of, everybody else has some level of that raging in them. Know this. It is a natural element of our fallen humanity. Okay? That said, let's make sure we understand a little bit about this sea of selfishness, about this flesh. So let's put it this way. There's going to be four elements that are really important to understand that are a part of what's going on inside that flesh, all right? And I'm going to say them to the positive first, and then we'll spin it into the negative piece that's going on. So first, um, there is this this sea inside of us, this flesh inside of us that longs to, ready? Get ready to write these down. Be safe. Number one is be safe. The flesh drives on being safe. Number two, on being loved. Being loved. Being cared for. Number three, being respected. Having value. Being respected or having value. And number four, being satisfied having these different things we feel, whether it be hunger or thirsts or whatever it is, tiredness, all those things, being satisfied, having those things satiated, right? And so be safe and being loved and being respected or valued and being satisfied. Those are like four elements that are kind of inside the flesh. And if you want to say it this way, back with Adam before he fell, those four pieces were kind of what it was. And there's nothing sinful about wanting to be safe. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be loved or being valued in the right way. And there's nothing wrong with being satisfied with those natural things that are going on in us being cared for. Nothing wrong with those things. But Adam had this deep connection with God. And those things were being fulfilled in his walk with God on a daily basis. And in the moment of that sin where Adam and Eve sinned and there was this split and separation away, this fracture of the relationship with God, man, I'm telling you, at that moment, flesh started to go, that's it, we got to satisfy these things ourselves." In the fracture away from God, it's now satisfy this myself. Now be safe becomes self-protection, Right? And the self-protection starts rising up in things like anxieties, 
right? Where we start getting these nervousness, where your heart starts beating a little faster, where your fingers start tingling a little bit. Maybe it gets hard to breathe or you start breathing a little faster and you get this anxiety level rising up in you, a worry that starts taking place. Self-protection is like, I've got to have this safe and I've got to make it safe, right? And uh, the collapse of the flesh is that it starts to become the solution. The be safe becomes self-protection. The I gotta be loved, it becomes this, this self-doubting and really in some regards even a self-loving. It's a despair that starts taking over. Why doesn't anybody love me the way I love me? Why are these circumstances so rough on me? They shouldn't be that way. I deserve better. What, what's going on with and this whole cared for and love sense starts to unwind into a despair, a lack of hope in the midst, a lack of hope. And the flesh starts to demand, man, just be your own solution. The be respected all of a sudden turns into, I will demand the proper respect for me. I'll be the solution for this. And all of a sudden, anger rises up, self-rule dominating, taking over with all you've got. And the last one being satisfied, it's like, I'm going to go get satisfied any way I want to be satisfied. And the foolishness just takes over, self-satisfying in whatever way. Maybe it's overeating, maybe it's over-drinking, maybe it's what, whatever it is, the feel-good just runs amok. By the way, do you notice these four elements and what they are? If you've been around for a few years, we talked about this back in the toxic series a couple years back in the fall. And these four elements are the four quadrants of the heart. And this is exactly what's going on, this desire for being able to be safe and to be loved and to be respected and to be satisfied. There's nothing wrong with those. They're God-given, but man, when they unwind into being solved by self, there's everything wrong with it. What's going on in this sea of selfishness is taking some good things and making them really bad because they depend solely on you. That's it. And make sure you get that. There's this deep part of you that's raging to be safe and to be loved and to be respected and to be satisfied, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's everything wrong with that outside of God. Ready? And all of God's people said. Okay. That said... On the top of this sea of selfishness, there's waves rolling. And so let's do this. Let's just use a scientific term for waves here, all right? Looked it up this week. This is a physics term. Here we go. Ready? Waves. Waves are always generated through a disturbance. Waves are always generated through a disturbance. Dude, what's causing these waves in my sea of selfishness? Something is plummeted into the sea, some rock, some giant disturbance, and it causes this wave to roll out. Just imagine you're like looking at a lake, and it's almost placid, right? And you pick up this big giant rock, and as you heave it into the air, it's still placid. And as it's coming down towards it, it's still placid. But when it slams into the water, you hear the and you see the waves start running out from it. Dude, that's what happens in our flesh all the time. Circumstances of life and things that happen and something that got said and the way I ended up experiencing and whoosh, and all of a sudden, I don't feel very safe. Rise up. 
I don't feel very respected. Rise up. I don't feel like I'm being cared for. Rise up. The waves are responses to disturbance, slamming into the self. Really important we grasp that. By the way, all too often when we're struggling with our sin, we start pointing at the rock that hit the water rather than the water. Got it? We're like, do you see that rock? That was offensive. That rock shouldn't have hit me that way. Do you see that disturbance that just happened? And we become an expert on the disturbance. That is not the plan today. Everybody say, that's not the plan. We're not trying to figure out what the rock was that slammed into us. We're trying to figure out why the water got in the boat. Okay? That's what we're going after. All right. That said, a number of years back, I hate to even say this date, but like 1987. So some of you are like, that was like 12 years before I was born. Like 1987, I was... uh, actually went down to Florida with my parents. Actually, our whole family went down, my sister and my dad and mom and myself, and we were down there just enjoying the weather, and we decided to go deep sea fishing, and my sister was like, no way, I'm not doing it. So she stayed back by the pool. We went out, we got on this giant party boat. This party boat held, I don't even know what, 30, 40 people. I mean, it was a big boat. It wasn't one of those little charter ones. It was a big bad boy. So we went out on this party boat thing, and we were gonna go deep sea fishing. And we got out there a ways, and we got like a few casts in, and all of a sudden, the clouds started rolling over the top, the wind started picking up, the waves started going, and they're like, everybody reel it in, just hang on, we're going to let this thing blow through. And so everybody reels in the rods, locks them in place, and we're kind of standing around the boat now as the waves just start slamming against the boat, and start rising and falling, and rising and falling. And we're like, this feels horrible. I feel sick as a dog. I went to the back, I'm like, get to the horizon, get to the horizon, right? So I'm starting to stare at the horizon as it's going up and down. I'm like, this is terrible. My dad and I are standing outside to try to get fresh air and watch the horizon. My mom, a little tougher, she actually appreciates roller coaster rides and things like that. She's like, ah, why not? So she goes inside in the cabin and she sits down there. And a number of other people went inside the cabin. Somebody, genius, said, you know what, I'm kind of hungry. Could I have a Polish sausage? So they start grilling Polish sausage. This is bubbling grease, is wafting into the air. And everybody sitting inside has already turned six shades of green. And they're feeling it. And now you're smelling it. And you're like, oh, dude, I'm not going to handle this. And one of the guy who ordered it is just loving it. He's just chowing it down. This is great. And everybody else is like losing it. Somebody ends up starting to run outside and gets right in front of my mom's booth. (laughs) And loses it. And I'll just leave it at that. And so my mom is now trapped. So she like scoots closer to the window and she starts looking outside. Like, I wish I was out there, you know? And, it's in a, and, a, and we come walking back in and we're like, oh, I'm going out. So I walk back outside. Now my dad and I are standing outside and we're talking about how my mom could stand to be in there. And all of a sudden, guy comes running to the back next to me and loses it. I'm like, move over. <laughs> Jeez, this is terrible. So we're like trying to temper this and weather this. Finally, the guy comes out and he's like, it doesn't look like it's getting better. And we're like, you think? 
this is horrible, man. People are throwing up all over the place. We're sick as a dog. Get us out of here. The guy ends up turning the boat, and we start headed back to shore. And as you get in closer, all of a sudden, the waves start dying down. Of course, it was one of those where right after it, you get off, and now it feels like ground is going like this, right? We get back to my sister, and she's like, anybody want pizza? (laughs) Not even close to wanting pizza. The biggest wave she felt was her toe in the pool, and it blew a little bit over the top of her foot, right? And and, uh, just amazing when waves come up, how much we need to deal with the circumstance. And we got to understand, man, when the waves of selfishness hit us, hear me, man, you're going to get sick if you don't get out of there. That's the bottom line. And there's going to be a really clear definition on how to handle this as we move forward. But let me just ask this. Man, are the waves of self slamming into your boat today? Are you wrestling specifically with one of the waves? Are you, what are you most susceptible to? Maybe you're most susceptible to self-protection. You got the anxiety riding. You're worrying all the time. I got to protect myself. This isn't safe. And It's going to be a, Lord, please help me in the midst to be able to hand my safety to you and trust you and worship you. Or or maybe you're struggling with, man, maybe I'm just not cared for. And I love myself more than anybody else does. You got this deep despair going. And Lord, there's no hope right now. Lord, give me hope in you. Or maybe you're wrestling with the self, uh, basically self-rule. You're lifting yourself up because you find yourself more awesome than anybody else seems to be finding you. And you're establishing you, and you're demanding, and you're commanding, and you're angry all the time. And God, I'm handing this to you. That wave is slamming against my boat. Or maybe it's, Lord, just everything that tastes good, I'm ready to be a fool. Lord, please forgive me for that. And what waves are slamming against your boat? Really make sure you get it, okay? All right. Number two. Look for the escape provided by God. Look for the escape provided by God. It says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Here we go. God is faithful. God is faithful. He knows what's going on and he's not gonna leave you alone in it. Man, you are not alone in this battle. God is faithful. Everybody say, he is faithful. God is faithful. You have hope in his presence, but please hear me. This just isn't some call to, God is faithful. He's there with you. Be strong and ready and fight. Dude, that's not the word you should use today. The word in dealing with the flesh is not fight. It says, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Just so we're super clear The waves that slam against your boat can be beaten. Make sure we understand that. But sometimes this is the way you hear it. There will never be a wave that's higher than the edge of my boat. That's not what it actually says. I'm going to be really clear on this. There's never a statement in here that says the wave won't be bigger than the edge of your boat. It says that you'll be able to handle it, but there's a second half to this. It says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but, everybody say but, 
With that temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. Please hear me, man. Sometimes those waves coming up will be below the boat edge. And the only reason we're taking on water is because the boat's pushed down. And then it's, Lord, help me to stand against, help me fight Satan and push off this push down, right? And then we're fine and everything's cool. But a lot of times that wave of selfishness can be roaring in so much and so high that maybe it's even at or above the edge of the boat. And I'm telling you this, man, there's only one answer. Get out, remove, get that boat out of that area. Just like the party boat moment where he's like, we got to go in. Amen. Time to get out of this sea of selfishness with these raging waves. It is time to remove ourselves from it. Look for the way of escape. Man, I'm telling you this. God is not asking you when your flesh rises up to stand strong against it and go, I will not move. That's a terrible, everybody said it's a terrible plan. I know some of you are like, all right, I'll say it. That's a terrible plan, but that's my plan. That's what I do. When it goes sideways, I'm like, I'm going to hold up against. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to. And just so we're clear, the answer isn't to stand against self. It's a double agent, man. The job is to get out. Look for the way of escape. With the world, we fence line. With Satan, who's on the outside, we fight. But with the double agent inside, you flee. That's your word. Flee. Run with all you've got. Uh, I'll just put it this way. Temptation is a package deal. It always comes with an exit sign. Temptation is a package deal. It always comes with an exit sign. Man, I'm telling you, as the waves of self rise up, as a temptation comes, some rock has splashed into your sea of selfishness, there's a disturbance. The wave starts rising up, and it's coming into your boat, and it's looking like it's going to start coming over. You're like, that's it. It's feeling good to just let go on this one. I'm ready to go after this. There's a point where you have to say, where's the exit sign? Where is the exit? God, show me the exit sign. Please hear me on this. God did not plant exit signs like Easter eggs. We were like, try to find it. I hit it. It's up really high. You're getting warmer. Like, that's not the plan, man. God's not done this thing where he's hid the exit sign where you can't see it. It's the same as in any building. It's giant and it's colored. It's lit up and it's saying, take this. Make sure you reason through and look for the exit. The way we battle the flesh is to exit. Flee, take the way of escape. And please hear me on this. You're going to have to get a mind shift going. Get out of there. Some of you might be like, dude, I don't feel that tough then. I didn't really stand up to it. Yeah, you're not going to. That's a terrible plan to try to be tough enough to stand up against your own flesh raging against you. There are moments where it is going to be higher than your boat edge and it's coming in if you don't get out of there. Flee, exit. Find the way out. Get on it. Make sure God is glorified in it. Notice it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with that temptation will also provide the way to escape. Isn't it amazing how when those two halves of the sentence are put together, it sounds totally different. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond your able, 
well, then I should just be able to turn and go, mm, I'm not moving, right? But that's not what it says. It says, God is not going to let you be tempted beyond your able because he also gave you the ability to leave, exit, get out of the environment. Make sure you're figuring out what your exit strategy looks like. Flee with all you've got. Run. It says that you may be able to endure it. Please hear me. It starts with you are able to see victory and you might be able to endure this. Just take the exit. That's where the certainty lies. You trust in your God and you hit it. You're out of there. May God get the glory. We flee when we feel the flesh rising up. What do we do? We flee. Say it louder, say it bigger. What do we do when the flesh is rising up? Flee. Look for that exit and get out of there. Flee. All right? Well, so I'll just say this too. Man, if you are in the middle of a battle and maybe you even lost it this morning or last night or this week, and remember this. If you have lost a battle to temptation, know this. Do not give up. The war is won. And if you have lost a battle to temptation, re-engage. The war is victorious in Jesus Christ, and ultimately this flesh will be removed, praise God. And just hear me, there will still be a passionate part of you, passionate about safety and passionate about caring and loving and passionate about respect and passionate about satisfaction. All those pieces healed up and fine and this selfish thing gone. Praise be to God. God's got a plan. And there is victory ultimately in him. This flesh will be gone. Other side of heaven, but gone. There is victory won in the war. If you've lost a battle, just re-engage in that battle and go after it and lift your God up. May he be worshiped and glorified. And all of God's people said, and all of us are wrestling with temptations and it takes us down. Get ready to do some good running, some fleeing along the way. So there's a guy, he's taking his wife out for dinner. They go out for dinner, they're sitting there across from each other talking, they're enjoying the night, they're chatting about life, they're chatting about the past week, they're chatting about work and home and whatever else, and they're laughing and talking, and maybe there's even deep talk and density, and they're sharing back and forth, and all of a sudden, uh, somebody comes in, uh, to seat the next uh, person, and they're bringing in this lady, and they bring her in, and they're going to seat her down in the table right behind your wife, and she's wearing less than maybe what would be a good idea to wear, and now there's a lot being revealed, and she sits down facing you right behind your wife, and as you're looking at your wife, you're seeing her, maybe she's even beyond just wearing a little bit too little, maybe she even likes to catch eye and smile, and you're feeling something happening that isn't a good thing, the rock is splashed into the sea of selfishness, and waves are rolling, and you're like, it's got to be dealt with, right? And uh, so I've said this before, we teach this a lot, like bouncing eyes, like turning your eyes away, but it doesn't work when she's right behind your wife, you know? You're like, I'm bouncing my eyes. 
And your wife's like, are you angry at me? No. What are you doing? I can't look at you. Right? That's not good for a date night. You know what I mean? And so what do you do with that? How do you manage that? This guy ends up leaning forward and saying, baby, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and I'm going to come back, and when I come back, will you please have switched chairs with me? And you sit here, and I'm going to sit there. Why? You'll see. <laughs> just, I'm just going to go manage this by getting out of here, and you're going to switch chairs. And so when he comes back and sits down, he's like, thank you for moving. And she's like, I see what you're talking about, right? And what has he done? By simply moving that little bit and turning a 180, he's fleeing the moment. Got it? Super important that we grasp what it looks like to take on when the rock splashes in the water and waves come. Super important we get that. And when the self is getting this rolling in and the waves are smacking against the boat, time to deal with it. May God get the glory. And all of God's people said, look for the way to flee. It might literally be four feet away and turning the other direction. It might be actually way bigger than that. Reason through it, look for the exit sign and make sense of it. So simple question, what is your most common temptation? What is your most common temptation, yours? Just like we asked in point one, what's the waves slamming against you? And then how does that practically meet itself out? What might an exit's exit plan B for that temptation. A little bit of pre-planning here. Like, what might that exit be? It could be different in every circumstance, and you'll have to figure that out in the moment, but getting ahead of it a little bit, brilliant plan. What's the exit look like? And based on what you struggle with, it might be the same exit every time. Take it and flee. All right? Look for the escape that God has provided. Number three, take the escape and flee personal lusts. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, it's going to restate exactly what we just went through with a few different words, and it's good we get those words out. 2 Timothy 2, 22. I'll give you a chance to get there. As we learn to take the escape and flee personal lust. <clears throat> it says, so... Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Flee youthful passions. Flee those things that are rising up in you, that are banging on you. Get ready to take the escape and get out. Please note the plan to battling self rising up in sin is not to be tough and stand against. It is to get out. Flee. Man, I'm telling you, I keep restating this over and over because I'm telling you most of the time when we're counseling people struggling with sin, it's in the middle of the sin they try to stand up against and they fall. There needs to be a better plan for finding the exits. He says, flee youthful passions and get out of there when the waves are rising up and rolling hard against your boat. Flee. So I just want to cover this. How do I flee? Let's make sure we get a little bit of detail on it. Can't get a lot of detail because there's so many uniquenesses to our experiences, but 
Here's some good generalities. How do I flee? Number one, you may need to shift your geography. Physical location change. Maybe you switch which chair you're sitting in. Maybe you get out of the room. Maybe you have to not hang in that place you're at anymore because of the waves of what hits you. Get out. A geographic shift. A physical move. Okay? A lot of times that needs to happen. All right? Maybe you're one of those who wrestles with late night eating. You're like, there's nothing wrong with eating. Right. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying. True. And there's nothing wrong with gluttonous <laughs> taking in everything at midnight and having absolutely not. Well, there's a little bit wrong with that, right? And like, I, I let it go unchecked. And maybe you need to actually make a geography shift about where you're hanging out. Maybe that plan needs to happen. I don't know why my wife's laughing right now. <laughs> okay. I, uh... <laughs> All right. So she's updating me on what it is. I'm not going to share with you. Right now, I'm just moving over here. I made a geographic shift. <laughs> All right. Shift your geography. Uh, letter B. Uh, shift your chemistry. Shift your chemistry. Uh, maybe you need to change what you're eating or how you're eating. Diets have a big impact on our body. Did you know that? And if you starve yourself of different things, you will find that your body rises up in a little bit of rebellion. And if you're like, I have no idea why I have been so angry, but you're doing a low-carb diet, I can tell you why you've been so angry. Right? And it's not like because I love sugar and I didn't get any and it ticked me off. There literally is something that happens when your body goes low sugar and you end up having a little bit more intensity of life. And I've done a lot of low-carb diet. I'm telling you, just be cautious with whatever diet you pick. Know the weaknesses in it. And make sure you understand the chemistry behind it and what's going on. There is some stuff going on in us that is chemical, and it makes it harder to battle. Be wise to that. And I'll just throw this onto the chemistry statement as well. Halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. We've said it before a number of different times over the course of years, but it's been a little while since we've said it. Halt. Man, I'm telling you to address the chemistry issue in your life. If you are hungry, you might need to get some food. It might be that you're starving yourself out a little too much, and it's time to get a little in you, right? When you're hungry, the thing that comes along with that is usually angry, and we call that a word. What is that word? Hangry. It got a word because it happens all the time, right? If it doesn't happen much, you don't name it. It happened one time in life. There's no name for that. You just describe what it was that happened. When it happens all the time, you're like, we got to give that a title, right? And so hangry, like I got hungry and now I'm a little intense about life, right? And I start rising up into things and like, what are you talking about with? And why is that so? And you're like, dude, maybe you need a little food, right? Just get a little bit of something, calming down the chemistry a little. You might get the waves down that way a little bit. Sometimes chemistry is a big deal. Hungry or angry, maybe there's something raging in you and your cortisol is flying now and you are ready to fight anything and anyone and, and, and make sure you get that anger resolved. Yes, both chemically and spiritually. Lord, please forgive me. I'm handing this to you, right? Or maybe you're lonely, there's just this social loneliness going on, and it makes us do things we wouldn't normally do. Isn't it amazing how much sin takes place when we are 
alone. And loneliness can be a huge issue, and, and that actually has chemical impact on you. Social interaction does. And just know that. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, and uh, exhaustion often just kind of raises up the waves, right? And hungry, angry, lonely, tired, diet, whatever, be wise to what's going on chemically. So first, it's a geographic shift. And second, it's a chemical shift, right? And third, it's a shift in your mindset, a shift in your mindset. And you're going to have to stop thinking about it. If the guy who switched chairs at the restaurant kept mulling over what his eye took in, the chair shift didn't help. Your mind has to get off of it and start to replace with something else. And in that case, if you're out on a date with your beautiful wife, make your eyes take in your wife and, and just revel in who you're with. Replace. Replace wisely. Worship your God. By the way, the shift in mindset is going to have a lot of, Lord, please forgive me. And, and, and it's, Lord, you know what's raging inside of me. You know what's going on in my sea of selfishness. And this wave just started rolling in on me. And God, I'm handing that to you and I'm fighting. And I'm making a geographic shift. I'm looking for the exit sign. I think it's right here, God. This great little commentation between you and your God. I, I'm just sharing, God. I, I'm talking to you. And this is where I'm at. And, and, and you might get this strong impression. That's not the exit sign I want you to take. That chair switch wasn't enough. I need more. You're going to have to do more in order to battle this. Great, whatever. Like, be wise in this. This is a divine moment with your God as you are changing locale, changing chemistry, and definitely changing mindset and your spiritual well-being. Man, fleeing. It is a spiritual moment. It is a physical moment. And it is getting your mind off that which was going to take you down. Ready? And all of God's people said, please notice fleeing is not. Fix your feet and get ready to stand strong. So that's what we do when Satan's pressing us, not what we do when our insides are pressing us. When inside is pressing, you get out. Flee. All right? Okay. He says, flee youthful passions. These are those things that rise up in us when we tend to have a little less maturity. That's what they're talking about, a little less check on ourselves. And, and uh, please hear me. There's a lot of people who have used this phrase over the years, starve the flesh. Yeah, that's not biblical. Just so we're clear. The flesh is in you. It is raging in you. And when rocks of disturbance hit it, waves will rise. You don't starve out. The, the flesh does not become less over time. The flesh is the same. The boat becomes bigger, badder, stronger, more formidable. The edges of the boat become higher. The buoyancy of the boat becomes stronger. The boat getting stronger is the goal, not the flesh getting weaker. You hearing me? It is not get the flesh weaker. So what they're trying to talk to there is your mind getting used to not tasting of getting self all the time. Self, self, self. And that's fine. But dude, make sure you understand the sea is going to be the sea and it's always going to be the same sea. Lord, change my boat. You hearing it? Huge deal. So get out. 
And that's where we spend some time saying, God, may you please transform my boat. Here's a bad plan. Waves are smacking it. Lord, transform my boat. Will you please make the edges bigger right now? This is a really bad plan. You're going to take on water right then and there. The plan in the moment is get out of there. Out of the moment, that's when we take on the transformation stuff. Man, we talked all about this a couple years back in January. Be transformed. This whole sequence of events in the worship of God changing our boat. Dude, that's out of the waves. We get away, we spend some time with our God, we hand it to him, and he starts doing some serious building on. But in the moment, in the heat, find the exit and get out of there. Take the current strength that God has given you and the current abilities that God has given you and the current observations God has given you and the current worship that you have on with your God and start talking to him and get out. That's the plan. Flee. We will find that most of our sin is resolved when we learn to flee. 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 Right? He says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Make sure you're going after something else. It's not just try to get out of there and then your mind keeps mulling on the same thing. Now you're going to pursue those things that are correct. You're going to uh, put off the indulging and put on the pursuing and this righteousness, a reflection of who God is, and this faith is a trusting in God, a love that is sharing in God, a peace that is experiencing God. Man, you're drinking deep of your God, okay? Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. I love that phrase. He's like, you're not alone. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, the church. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, your impact group. Man, as you partner together with others who are going after the same thing, and you all together are high-fiving the victories, and you're getting real about the temptation waves that are slamming on you, and you're like, God, I want this done. I cannot wait for you to be glorified. And you get real together on you pursuing your God. And Lord, anytime the waves get too high, this boat's moving. May you get the glory. God, I am ready to take this battle on. This flesh will not come in this boat. I am ready to do what I need to do, God. My worship is on. I am glorifying you. Change this boat over time. And in the moment, in the midst, when the waves are slapping, we will get this boat to lower waved water. Flee. There's no shame in that at all, and there is absolute victory in that. May God get the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. So I've already said this a couple different ways, but I'm going to say it one last time. How do we put this together? Ahead of time, you fence line. You make wise statements about the paths you're going to go. That's ahead of time. Out of the moment, ahead of time. Putting up the fence lines and figuring out what paths you're not going to go down so the temptations don't get too high. In the moment... Dude, if you feel the waves rising up, if you feel that, that desire inside that is beginning to fall, time to find the exit sign and get out. And if you're able to stand in there and there's not this, this drawing and enticing that's taking place and you're feeling a whisper from the pit of hell that's telling you about you or your friends or your God and they're all lies, that's when you stand. We do not get to stand and try to fight Satan. 
when our own flesh is coming over the edge of the boat, it is time to get out. It has to dominate. First we flee if we can't handle it. We may be fleeing too much in the beginning. Fine, we'll figure that over time. Get out. We're not letting the water rush into the boat. May God get the glory. All right. And all of God's people said, battling the flesh, it may be completely different than you ever thought. Know this. It is a divine work. As God works in us to shape us, he gives us the strength, the insight, and the power. Lord, we need you. And in the midst of it, we have responsibility to do what he's enabled us already to do, and we have worship to bring him in. May God get the glory. May we experience victory this week as the waves of selfishness slap against the boat, give us a little indication, and we take our boat to lower waved waters. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 